it's a wonderful day to be with you this morning. It's, it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? It's a blessing to hear God's word, isn't it? Amen? It's a blessing to be able to sing songs of joy and thanksgiving unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercies endure forever. Amen? We are uh, privileged Every single time we step foot into a worship gathering with believers who love Jesus and are called according to his purposes, I, I, uh, I never want to get tired of that. I never want to get tired of coming together to worship the Lord in song, to hear the word of God as it is the word of truth, never want to get tired of fellowship with believers and encouraging them and them encouraging me. It is a blessing and a privilege to be able to do that. As we've seen through the book of Acts, there's been a number of things happen for the advancement of the church. And in every part in Acts, the role of the Holy Spirit has been evident in the advancement of the gospel. He is at work in and through his people. I mean, almost every passage, every time we open this book, we see the Holy Spirit at work. And throughout the book of Acts, we've seen it all the way through. Acts chapter 8, we go back to his story, and when we preached this, this, this passage in Acts chapter 8 about the Ethiopian eunuch, we entitled this sermon, The Sending Spirit. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit sends Philip, one of the deacons in the church in Jerusalem, to go over to this, this man's chariot, this Ethiopian's chariot. And he goes over and he happens to be reading from Isaiah 53. Just, just so happens to be reading about Jesus in Isaiah 53. The prophecy about the one who is to come, who's, who's to give his life as a, as a suffering servant. The Holy Spirit leads Philip to go and tell him, what, what does this passage mean? And. He comes to Christ, he proclaims Christ, and he's baptized. But it's the Holy Spirit who says to Philip, go to this chariot. And in the similar way, in this passage we're studying this morning, the Holy Spirit says to the church in Antioch, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them. Isn't that interesting? When I was reading this passage, I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled by the Holy Spirit's work and how he works in the life of individuals, how he works in the life of the body of Christ, how he works in empowering people to fulfill the mission of God. Have you ever wondered how this happens, right? Is there an audible voice? Is there a confirmation through Scripture? I mean, doesn't really tell us exactly how all of these happens. How do you know? The Spirit himself sets Barnabas and Paul apart to be sent out. Well, let's dive into the text this morning because 
it's an interesting text, and I think it's, it's one that gives us hope that God not only knows who we are, but he has a plan for our life. And the Spirit leads in that plan for our life. So let's dive into the text of the Word of God to see how the church was led by the Spirit in Antioch to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. And this is what this church does. It does extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. If you'll stand with me in reading of God's word, that's where we are in our book in Acts, seeing the power of God on display through God's spirit. In Acts chapter 13, Verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menane, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came up a certain magician a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, finally we get to change his name, right? This is it, right here in Acts. We get to change his name. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, I guess so, when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, open our ears to hear your word this morning. Open our eyes to see the message of grace and the gospel, Father, the power of the Spirit and the working of sending your people out to proclaim this good news message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, may it not be about us, but may it be about you. Father, this morning, would you take away all distractions, all thoughts that we have in our head, and help us to focus for the next few minutes upon your word and your truth and what you have to speak to us. Lord, reveal your truth. In this passage, to our hearts and to our minds, would you transform us by the power of the grace of God in our own life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
You know, there is a direct correlation in this passage and in other passages of the sending, right? We, we talk about this often, the sending and the leading of the Spirit, the guidance and truth, the, the working of God in the life of his people. John 16, 13 says this, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The spirit of truth will come and he will guide in all truth. Now, when we listen to Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit, he is guiding us in the truth of the gospel. He is guiding us into the truth of the scriptures. So when we understand the scripture, the Spirit helps us to accomplish the work and the mission of God himself according to the scriptures. In the most important decisions in my life, the Holy Spirit has allowed me to go in different directions with my life. He has guided me to accomplish what he wants in my own life. Now, how does this happen? How does this work? What is this, all of these things? I'll just tell you one of my stories of my life so that you can understand a little bit about how the Holy Spirit moves and directs people in his path to accomplish his truth according to the word of God. I can remember Jordan and I... um, Graduating college, getting married, we went off to a job in Tulsa. We worked at a job in Tulsa. We got paid a lot of money, more money than, than we ever deserved to get paid our first year of marriage. But the Lord was placing on our heart this desire to, um, to go overseas. And uh, in college, Jordan had gone to Thailand on a mission trip. I had gone to Ecuador on my first mission trip. And we saw the need for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. We saw what it looked like for somebody who never heard of Jesus to hear the gospel message and respond to that. After those trips, we we saw the world, really, through a different lens. And then we sat down with Mike and Vandewall. If you If you don't know who they are, they... Uh, they have sent thousands of people to the mission field. And we sat down with them and we explained our heart for the nations and what the Lord had been doing in our life. And after about five minutes, we were ready to go, okay? So just, just those people speaking into our life. So during spring break of 2008, we applied to the IMB. Now, we didn't know a whole lot about the IMB. We didn't know a whole lot about the process. And in three months, we were accepted and we were on the field in October. That's a short amount of time. 
for you that know what that looks like and that process. People spend years going through that process normally. And in three months, we were accepted and we were on the field within six months, seven months. But when we got to this meeting in Virginia, we were supposed to choose our job at this conference. It was more like an interview conference. And at this conference, we were supposed to choose where in the world we were supposed to go. And they have different regions of the world. The IMB sets it up with East Asia. Uh, at the time, it was Pacific Rim. Now it's Southeast Asia, Europe, Middle East, North Africa, different regions of the world. And you, and you kind of pick your region of the world. And then they have these books in these regions of these different job opportunities. And they had endless books endless jobs, hundreds of jobs missionaries needed to go to the field to reach a specific people. And I, I can remember sitting down with people at this training or at this orientation and people were like, you don't know where you're supposed to go? I've known for six months of my job Oh, I, I can remember people telling me, well, I, I know these missionaries on the field, and I've talked to them, and I know the specific job opportunity. And I can remember Jordan and I looking at each other going, oops, are we supposed to know where we're supposed to go? Where is the Lord calling us? I know that he's called us to go, but where exactly is that? People even said to me in Jordan, well, you're really supposed to come to this meeting knowing where the Lord is leading you. And I can remember Jordan and I looking through these books night after night. I mean, this, this meeting is probably four or five days long. And, you know, the very last night or the very last day, you're supposed to submit your top three choices. And I can remember going through every one of these books and thinking, I don't feel a direct call. I'm not sure where the Lord is leading us. <laughs> there is no clear direction. I mean, Lord, we, we applied and, and you, you, you allowed us to get through. We had, we had people speaking into our life. We, we felt the call to leave our jobs and our places. But now we get to pick this job and we have no idea where you're calling us. And it was like midnight, the night before we're supposed to turn it in the next morning. And uh, Jordan's like, let's just call your mom. She's been looking online at these jobs. Let's just call her. So we pray first, and then we called her. We're like, we, we just, we're, we're at a loss. Have you seen anything? She's like, well, what about this job in Chiang Mai? Running a community center, English center, working with college students, planting churches in surrounding villages. What about this job? We're like, what job? It wasn't in our books. It was online. She had seen it. We hadn't. And the Lord opened the door, and it was very clear the direction in which we were supposed to go. Jordan had already gone to Thailand. She was familiar with the people. The Lord had been moving us in that direction. 
And yet we didn't even know he had been moving us in that direction. But he waited until the last moment to open the door. But he knew the spot where we needed to be. He, he did this over and over. I can tell you story after story in my life where the Lord has clearly directed the path of us. Going to Southwestern Seminary, going to Holdenville First Baptist Church, coming to Northwest Baptist Church. I had actually, coming to Northwest, you guys may find this interesting. Um, I had actually been um, called by a, a church in the city um, previous to Northwest contacting me, and I had gone through some of the process with them and uh, really, really felt like the Lord was leading me there. And they called and said, you know, we're, we're going in another direction. And that very day, the person on the other line said, I know that the Lord has a place directly for you, and I'm going to pray that he, he, he tells you exactly where it is. Well, he'd been preparing us to come to the city, just not at that place. And that very day, Brent Brown called me on the phone, and he said, Rob, we're, we're interested. We'd like to interview you at Northwest Baptist. The Lord made sure he knew where I was supposed to be in that place. And he directs Paul and Barnabas in the same place. Throughout the book of Acts, the Spirit is leading, guiding, directing all the way through. Paul is, is forbidden to go to a place in Asia. He's, he's asked in a dream to go over to Macedonia. It's, it's, it's this play of, of the Holy Spirit leading him to where he wants him to go. Paul is so in tune to the Spirit of the living God that he understands the Lord is guiding his every direction. While the church is here hearing the word of God, while they are in worship, while they are reliant upon the Lord through fasting, the Spirit is leading them to fulfill the call that the Lord has placed upon their heart. And I believe the Lord is calling all of us to specific things according to his word. And I believe that he wants people in this room to fulfill the call that he's placed upon their lives, whether it be to start a new community group, whether it be to share the gospel with their neighbor, whether it be to go to the cubicle next to them and engage their coworker, whether it be to be sent on the mission field, become a pastor, all hear the Spirit's leading in our lives and be so in tune with God's direction that all we can do is obey what he's called us to do. You see, this passage gives hope to those who want to live their life for something greater than themselves. Antioch right here is, is the capital of the Roman province of Syria. And we've seen 
It's the first Gentile church. It's a direct result of persecution of Stephen as the church moves to the end of the earth. Barnabas is sent there. He sees the grace of God there on display as the body, the church of God is growing and people are coming to faith in Christ. And now he goes and he gets Saul who has been set aside to reach the Gentiles. The Lord has given him that call through the prophet Ananias. And we get to verse 1, and there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menane, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. This is our first point this morning. It is not our first point this morning. We are not there yet. I am lost in my pages. But... I do want to tell you about verse 1 because it is very interesting that he names these leaders. Normally he doesn't do this, but he names them. Why does he name these leaders? Notice, number one, that there is a plurality, plurality of leadership. We never see a single elder, a single pastor in Scripture. It's always a plurality It's God's church. He is the head. The head is Christ. And once we understand that Christ is the head of the church, it's Christ's church, it's it's easily understood that that leadership underneath the head of Christ should be a plurality. God has given different roles to the body, and those roles, some is serving through teaching and preaching of the word. Those men are given here as prophets and teachers. They're proclaiming the word of God to people. The text tells us who these men are. One is Barnabas. He's the Greek-speaking Jew. He sold his land in Jerusalem. He laid it at the apostles' feet. He's He's a giver. He's also called the son of encouragement. Would have loved to hang out with this guy. This is my type of guy. He gives everything he's got. He encourages. What a church member, right? And he's the leader of the church there in Antioch. The church in Jerusalem had sent him there to make sure that these these weird ones are doing what they're supposed to do, right? These weird Gentiles. Now, Simeon, who is called Niger, the Latin word there means dark or black. Most likely he's from North Africa. Some believe that Simeon is actually Simon, the man who carried the cross of Christ. And then you have Menane, who is also an aristocrat. He's a high political official who now is the leader in the church. He's a political official of Herod, um, the Tetrarch there. And now he is a leader, comes, tosses aside his political nature and says, I'm going to be a leader in the church. Now you have Lucius also from Cyrene, which is current day Libya, North Africa, who has come up, proclaimed the gospel in Antioch. And then you have our friend Saul. We know him well. He has been transformed. He is a Jew of Jews, trained in Judaism, understands the word of God to a T, and now he's proclaiming Christ. And I believe there's two reasons why the text identifies these leaders of churches here. One is to show the plurality of leaders. And the second reason is to show their diversity in their leadership. 
These guys come from different backgrounds, different thoughts, different cultures from all over the world to lead this church in Antioch. This is one of the reasons why this church in Antioch is so dynamic because they focus upon Christ in their diversity. And what does this church do? That's probably more important than who these guys are is what they do. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas, Saul, for the work to which I have called them. What are they doing? They are worshiping. This is our first point this morning. Finally get to it. The church is unified through worship. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the body of Christ comes through the Spirit. We don't earn that. We don't strive for that. It is given to us by the Spirit of the living God. It's our job as leaders and as the people of God to maintain the unity of the Spirit with what? With humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain this unity through the Spirit of the bond of peace. So Antioch is this diverse church. How do I know that? Because the, the leaders are diverse. You have politicians, theologians, evangelists, people from all over the world coming together at Antioch for what reason? To worship the Lord. Some translations, your translation may say ministering to the Lord. This is what we do, church. We serve or we minister to the Lord. We worship the Lord. If we do anything as a church, we ought to worship. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's, let's be real honest with ourselves. Can I be real honest with you? If we ask most of us in this room why we are here this morning, we probably would have a lot of different answers. I know I like the preacher maybe at the top of your list. I hold it, I know. But you might say, I really enjoy my community group fellowship. Or you might say, I really like the songs. Or you might say, I really like it when my song is played. Or I'm here because I love Northwest. I've been here a long time. My parents were raised here. Or I'm here because they have good kids programs. But the reason why we gather as the church is to worship the Lord God Almighty. Okay? Have you ever thought of worship as service or ministering? To the Lord Himself? We had a deacon retreat last week, and I was reminded and challenged that the number one job of a pastor is to serve the Lord. 
by teaching and preaching his word. That's hard sometimes, right? To focus upon that. Sometimes being a pastor is like trying to meditate on the Bible, juggle three balls, all while doing a counseling session, okay? That's, that's kind of what it's like in my life. I'm juggling three balls, talking to someone, and meditating on the word at the same time, okay? But the reality is, is I get to study the word and serve the Lord by teaching the word of God every week. This is my worship, right? This is my worship unto the Lord is to prepare and study and go in depth into the work of the Lord and pray through the text of Scripture and help and ask the Spirit to guide in the direction that we go with this text. And this is what these men are doing here. They're worshiping the Lord. They're leading the people in worship. They're ministering to the Lord by teaching the word of God. And this is not easy to do. It's not easy to focus upon. Why? Because there's so many distractions, right? You may be so distracted right now that you may not even hear a word I've said. And yet, God brings all of his people in the church together in worship of him. You know, there, there's, there's such great diversity in this room. That's why one of the reasons why I love Northwest. There, there's such great diversity here. Did you know that, that there's people in this room that went through the Great Depression? There's also people in this room who were born with an iPhone in their hands, okay? Now think about that for a minute. There's people that were born in the Great Depression, grew up in the Great Depression, and people who were born with an iPhone, playing their iPhone at six months years old, or six months old. Right? That is, and, and we're supposed to get these generations together to be on the same page about what we do. The only way to do that is to worship God Almighty, right? We're here for worship. Worship. How does a church with different backgrounds, different generations, different tastes, likes, cultures come together in the church? It's not because they're serving themselves. No, it's because they're serving the Lord. He is the reason why we can be the church. This is the reason why Antioch is, is spirit-filled is because they're there for worship. They're there to do what God has designed to do. The church is unified through worship. Notice the church is also fasting. They're giving up food in order to remind themselves that all they need is the Lord God Almighty, is spiritual discipline to help us to remember that it is only the Lord that we need. I, I have a question. Are, are you finding yourself a little apathetic toward the Lord? Maybe you're just on cruise control. I, 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 would, I would say that you would be a primed person 
to, to fast. And, and hear me out. Not because you do the discipline so that God would love you more. No, not at all. But it's a connection point in which we see the awe, the beauty, and the majesty, and the glory of God so that our heart will rejoice in worship. Because fasting allows us to focus our mind and our heart upon God himself because he is truly what we need. If we believe that in the truth of scripture and we practice that in fasting, guess what? Our hearts tend to follow. Not because we, we, we want to, to, to do this so that God would love us more. No, no, we, we want to love God more. We want to see the beauty and the majesty of God himself and comes alive in our hearts in worship. Verse 2, while, while they were worshiping the Lord, the fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. This is the second point this morning. Spirit-filled churches send. Period. Spirit-filled churches Send. It's a very interesting statement. The Spirit says, set apart for me. This work is for the Lord. We've been saying this in this whole sermon. But have you ever wondered why a church would send people to plant another church? Why they would send missionaries across the world, use their money to do that? Don't we need the best people to fill the church where we're at? What about the leaders in Antioch? Wouldn't it be a void to have their two best teachers or two of their better teachers to go from among them? And yet the Lord is sending for me. You know, it's a progression of God's people. We are a sending church. You, you, if you've been here the last two and a half years, you know we've sent a lot of people out, right? Staff, people in our flock, we have sent it's a progression. You know the gospel, you grow in the gospel, and you go with the gospel. Yes, we need mobilizers, we need trainers, we need teachers, we need equippers with the gospel, but we need people willing to go to the ends of the earth empowered by the spirit of the living God. There is a purpose in our growth as Christians. My son is in baseball season. We're in full swing, and, and uh, he, he's, he loves to play. And what if I was to say to him, son, we're going to go throw balls in the backyard every single day. We're going to go hit in the cages. You're going to take ground balls. You're going to take fly balls. We're going to talk about arm angels and pitch selection. We're going to even watch your video of your bat playing. And, and, and we're going to do all of these things every day. We're going to work so hard. But... We're just not going to play in the game. I 
I don't think he would enjoy that very much. And he would even grow to hate baseball because he would never get to use the skills that he practiced and he grew in. You see, the same is true for the Christian life. We can only intake so much knowledge, so many Bible studies, so many fellowships before walking with the Lord becomes stale in our own hearts and our own minds. You see, the practice of our faith is, is what makes following Jesus so exciting. Jesus said in John 20 and 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Now he, he turns to his disciples and he says, just as God sent me for a mission on this earth, I now am sending you to tell about what I've done. Have you ever considered the Holy Spirit maybe setting you apart for work? Maybe the work's in Oklahoma City. Maybe it's in your community group. Maybe it's in Nepal or Thailand. Maybe God's leading you to teach the word. Maybe he's leading you to serve as a deacon or a pastor. He may be calling you to disciple a co-worker, start a Bible study in your home, begin a com new community group a new ministry to a special section of people. Whatever it is, our God is ascending God. That's what he does. He has people that he wants the gospel to go towards, and he calls those that are willing to go. Are you too young to be used by God? You young people? David was 15 years old when he stood before Goliath. Are you too old to be used by God? Caleb was 85 years old when he said, I'm going to take that mountain. Are you too far from the Lord to be used by God? Saul, who hated Jesus would be used by God to bring the gospel to the nations. Are you too ashamed of your past to be used by God? Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute, and yet she's in the lineage of Christ, saved God's people, conquering Jericho. You know, the Lord takes people who are on the outside aren't worth all that much. And he transforms them through the power of the gospel. He gives them the Holy Spirit to live inside of them, to be his image bearers in a dark and broken world. And they are sent to proclaim the good news that Jesus was sent to the earth for your salvation. It's the greatest message ever told that a holy and almighty God who we have sinned against Abby read it in Ephesians chapter 2. That we were dead in our transgressions and sins, loved us enough, offering us grace through the cross. That by placing our faith in him, that we could receive 
salvation. That we could be called children of God. That we could be loved by God to have all the things that we have ever done forgiven. That we've been set free. That we've been welcomed into the kingdom of God for all eternity. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of God and his love for us through Christ Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Think about that. The creator God, the heavens and the earth, wants to use you, wants to use me for his purposes, for his glory. So what happens? It's all easy, right? Everything's easy once, once you obey the Lord and his call on your life. Everything goes just according to plan, right? That's, that's how it happens. We got some saints in this room that know otherwise. They're laughing at me right now. But verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. And they go through the whole island as far as Paphos. They came to a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Paul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will be blind and unable to see for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. He went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw that it, what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is our third point this morning. Nothing stands in the way of the word of God going forth. Nothing stands in the way of the word of God going forth. This reminds me of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. When they lie to the leaders in the church that they had given more than they had actually given. Nothing's going to stop the church from being God's church. The hand of the Lord is upon it. And in the same way, this is the Holy Spirit telling Satan, listen, you're going to try and stop the word of God going forward. You're going to try and stop those whom I send from sharing this word. That's not going to happen. The hand of the Lord is upon the sending of God's people to the nations. And it mean, wants nothing more to make crooked the straight path of the Lord. You know, there is a straight path of the Lord. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Elemis wanted to confuse. He wanted to deceive. And yet God's people filled with the Holy Spirit will not tolerate a distortion of truth of the word of God. Paulus here, the guy that they're sharing with, the proconsul, wants to hear. And you've got this wicked man confusing Paulus. I don't know how many times you've shared the gospel with someone. This always seems to happen. You're sharing the gospel, something happens. You're sharing the gospel, the guy next to him is, is trying to <clears throat> coerce him into doing something else. Nothing can stand in its way. Persecution, suffering, deception, none of these have a hold upon God's people as they proclaim the word of truth. For the past 2,000 years, the Spirit has been sending. We are reaching new unreached people groups every single year. The enemy still tries to stop the movement of the greatest message ever told. If you didn't know already, we have a group that is going to Utah this weekend. A variety of people, different ages, different backgrounds, different races. All going in the name of Christ to share with the gospel with people who are very confused. They have not made the straight path of the word of God. And we're going. It's going to be hard. I'm going to tell you that. I've told the people on our team that it's not going to be easy. And yet, the team is ready. The team is ready to be sent. We're sending a team to North Africa right around the place where some of these guys are from in September. If you want to go, talk to me. But we want to be a part of the work of God that he is doing around the world. We want to be people who practice our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only going on overseas mission trips, but today in our home with our children. We want to practice our faith in our workplace, in our city, in our school. Church, we need to be a blessing to our people. We say at the end of every service, you are sent, and we mean it. We mean that you are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's call in your life today. What is he calling you to do? You know, I'm not a pastor. I've told you this many times. I'm not a pastor that says, hey, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. Now, everybody, come follow me. That's not who I am. I'm like, hey, let's huddle up. What is the Spirit saying to you? Okay, let's go do that. Let me help you do that. What if we had community groups and people who are praying 
specifically of what God has called them to do this summer, this school year, which schools to reach. How powerful and effective is the body of Christ when all of God's people are working in tandem together to accomplish the mission of God. Let's do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your call in our life. We thank you that the Spirit leads God's people to accomplish the mission of God. And Father, we pray that you would raise up people in this room that would dream dreams, that would have visions of how they can reach their neighborhood, their school, their place. We pray that you would give us a passion for what you are passionate about. Father, we ask humbly as your church to raise up people who are sent to the nations, to different parts of the city with a purpose and plan to bring together people who will one day worship you as we are doing right this minute, worshiping you, through hearing the word taught, through song, through prayer. We pray, Father, that in this room there will be people that say, Lord, I know your call on my life fulfill that call I'm not going to be scared I'm going to follow you where you lead maybe so simple as going to the next door neighbor and bringing them cookies but Lord we pray that you would speak to our people through your word and your truth through fasting through worship that you would speak directly to our people, the call in their life to fulfill the Great Commission, to find ways to do that in their own life. Father, we pray that those that are hearing this message would not be overwhelmed, that they are not doing enough, but they would be reminded of your grace and your mercy and your love for them. And in turn, they would respond, here I am, send me. And that it would wait upon the Lord in his timing. That we all may rest in his grace and his mercy and his goodness. Lord, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.